Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. If you want to disrupt in business, you've got to change the way you think. And part of that is looking forward, sort of like a futurist. It's a skill. But the skill is in the way you think about stuff. You've got to change the way you think. Fred Shabetza is the co-founder of a company whose jingle we all know. It's finder.com.au, a comparison website that has recently launched the Finder app that combines personal finance management with automated product comparison. And it's extraordinarily successful. Now, Fred's a bit eccentric. If you're watching this, you'll see why. But if you're listening, listen carefully because you'll see He's eccentric in the way he thinks. If you can imagine a guy with a really long beard and long bleached hair, mohawk style, but on just one side, that's Fred. That says a lot about who he is as a business owner. He's a creative thinker. He approaches things differently and is creative at his risk-taking. And it served him well. Finder.com.au is now worth over half a billion dollars. By the way, all bootstrapped, no external funding. He's also keen on cryptocurrency. He's a big investor in cryptocurrencies and he sees Bitcoin replacing fiat currencies, the stuff we normally operate, in the next five years' time. Fred and I get into deep conversation about disrupting crowded markets, what he thinks is the future of cryptocurrency and why he's so keen on democratizing cryptocurrency and why you can go and get it today, very simply, on finder.com.au. So let's get into it. Fred Shabetza, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, I've been watching Finder for a long time um, for a whole lot of obvious reasons to people who know me from the Yellow Brick Road. Um, we're a funder, so I mean, I've been watching Finder for a long time, but I and we'll talk about Finder in a second. And I also want to talk about your other ventures, the things that you are passionately interested in. I would like to just uh, go back a little bit. Like I'd, I'd like to understand a little bit more about you. Mm. You're an unusual character, just style-wise to look at, like uh, compared to me, for example. Um, but you're comfortable in your own shit. Like you know what you're doing. Uh, you're doing really good. Uh, you've, you've done some great things actually. And uh, but you, and you're also on the cutting edge of all new things. You're pretty cool, I think. Anyway, um, take me back to where this guy started from, so people can get an understanding of how it all works. I, I really want to know how it all works. Thank you as well, Mark. I appreciate. That's a very kind compliment. I actually grew up to doctors as parents. So very, you know, go to school, do well, go to university, study hard, work hard. You know trust in the system, be your best and you get rewarded. And they got rewarded for that. And they worked and they still continue to work. And my parents, you know, unbelievably put me through school and got me to that situation. Um, and so I saw someone that, you know, followed the, the system, followed the path and were rewarded for that. And the thing when I was growing up was, was challenging is that, I, you know, I obviously thought outside the box. And the reason why that was mainly... The case is because if I didn't think outside the box, then essentially I would lose every single argument. <laughs> <laughs> At home, you mean? Yeah. Super intelligent. Super smart, really yeah. knowledgeable and just too fucking good at it. Yeah. And really good at the system as well. They, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, think about Sun Tzu, right? So 
with your enemy if they're going to crush you in battle on a particular territory, take them outside the territory where it's a little more fair. And so I would always move the battlefield to something new or something creative, you know, and, 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 and try a different way of, of winning. Um, and, you know, I think that's probably where my natural ability to move the game outside the game comes from. Um, and then I think just by luck, you know, I'm just a very curious guy. Like I just look at things and I experiment and I try stuff and I always did it from a young age. I just, I was always, I was into computers early, but I, like, I just played a lot of computer games, but so it's not like I was, you know, building businesses or anything like that. In fact, I just mainly rode BMX bikes and, you know, comp- skateboards and climbed trees and played football with my f- mates. And I didn't really, I, I wasn't, I didn't really express that. I always thought differently. I always thought strategically. I played a lot of chess at school as well. So I sort of played a lot of sport. I was in the top teams, but I was also very strategic. Um, so it's kind of an interesting combination in and of itself. But all, always I have this drive to do it differently. That's interesting. I mean, like doing it the same, but doing it in a different field uh, and looking at it from a different point of view, but doing it the same, uh, maybe. Because, I mean, it takes – I don't think there's a different – there's a different way of applying yourself. What I mean by that is uh, diligence, um, effort, drive, blah, blah, all the things you need to execute well. Um, they, I don't think they change, but how you, how you go about, like the, the territory, you just said it before, the territory in which you play, that's where the creative part comes. That's a different part. Like, uh, you know, like where can I make a difference? Whether where, where is, is there less competition or whether is there ability to disrupt as, you know, the, a bit of a common term, but you know, where's the ability to disrupt? Where everybody, where is everybody playing by the same rules? But then, how can I apply myself? Like your parents probably applied themselves a whole life. I mean, they both got through university. They, they GP, like general practitioner type, like specialists. Specialists, okay. So I mean, you know, like to get to that level, yeah, you have to study mm-hmm. hard. You have to go through all the bullshit stuff at hospitals and yeah. play the game, and you've got to be committed. Yes, uh, commitment because you know what you do done on. Undermine what you do. I mean, what you've done requires a shitload of commitment mm-hmm. and effort and teamwork and team building and everything else. Would you say mm-hmm. that you got that understanding of how to do it as opposed to what to do, how to do it, from watching your parents just be not conformist but play within the system and operate within the system? Yeah. So, what what positive did you get out of that? Well, I, you know, I learned. I know. I know how to conform. Because I, you know, I went to a relatively conformist school, you know, and I know I understand how to play that game, like how to play in the system, and you know when to pull back, you know, like and go and let, you know, because sometimes you know in the herd, if you think about it, you know, if you stand outside the herd, you get isolated, you get attacked more, you know, but also you yeah. get the you get the benefits of not what the herd doesn't get as well. So you get a, and so sometimes it's good to pull back a bit, you know. So I know how to do that and and deal with the system. So. But then most of the time, I think when I, after I sold my first business, you know, I used to wear suits and ties and I was very, you know, thought that was the way, you know, and, and it's all I'd seen in my life. And so after the, after I sold my first company, I was, so I was 26 at the time. And, and what was that company? It was a digital marketing agency. So we, we help people market their, build their websites and help them get to the top of Google. And that's what, you know, obviously was the, the, the real foundation of how, you know, we built Finder because we just built Finder off what we did for our clients. We knew what to do because of we did it so many times for our clients already. So it was kind of we mastered that that in that place. So you're selling. You've already sold digital businesses. People are just setting them up. So how long ago was that that you sold your digital marketing? That was 2006, 15 years ago. Yeah. So you're doing what some people are just starting to do. How was it you got into? Digital marketing. Well, I, I was um, at uni and I, I was studying actuarial studies. I'm sure you've dealt with actuaries, Mark, yourself. It's quite a mathematical field. And um, mm. I actually was not good at the maths of that particular type of maths, which is about probability. It's not that wasn't my, statistics yet. Yeah, it wasn't my area of strength. I combined it with computer science and so I learned to code. So I'm actually... You know, I'm not a great coder. I actually went back and found my university records and I failed programming languages, <laughs> which is pretty impressive considering I coded Finder in the beginning. You know, and I sort of did second and third year computer science, but I never finished that. I left university. Um, but while I was there, I was, I was like, oh, this is not the place for me. And I started to learn to build websites 
um, there was a person, a, a girl there, she was doing that. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I started building some websites instead of just literally learning how to build the internet. And I was like, this is the future. Look at this place. This is like gotta be a thing. Talking 20 years ago. Yeah, 20, this is 2001, 2000, literally 20 years ago. I learned to code. I learned to code um, websites. I learned to code databases on the internet. I started building websites for people. And then one day I was like, oh, you know, I've sold this website to someone. Cool. And then I was like, you know, I need to sell something else because, you know, you need ongoing revenue, right? And because one-off sales is not the key. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to call up the clients and I'm just going to ask them what they want, which is <laughs> I've always done. I just, I just don't know what to sell. I'm like, what do you need? And I'm going to go get it for you. And one guy... He said, oh, there's this thing called Go Google, Google. And, you know, you go there and you, know, you type in words. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. He goes, well, can you get me to the top of that? And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah I'll figure it out. I had no idea to do it. And I literally just invented like and worked, worked out how to do it. Like, and that's, that's that curiosity. That's that moment in time where, you know, that's how I got into cryptocurrency. That's how I got into, you know, I'm getting into NFTs and, um, all those things right now, like literally in this moment in time, because I have an ability to go to the forefront, deal with the uncertainty, take risks and work it out and then um, quickly assemble an opportunity and deploy it. And so I learned how to do search engine marketing and get to the top of Google. And that skill I mastered, I'd say for seven years. And then I know this sounds weird, but I was like, how do I build an internet company that makes money while I sleep? Like, how do I do that? That's the challenge. Okay, I'm going to begin from that. And then we just like vomited on the internet all these ideas. You know, we put 39 businesses up, internet businesses up and, you know, 39 failed and one did pretty well. You know, we did a sports betting side, a poker side, um, what, a Sudoku side, Mother's Day presents. We did all sorts of things. And Credit Card Finder just happened to be, you know, it sort of everything I added to it tended to do a little bit better, a little bit better. And I was like, there's something here. And so we sold our other business. We paused that, had to do an earn out, you know, as you do with a public company. Um, and then 2009, we went full-time into Finder. And that was really, you know, from that skill, from that call of learning about SEO. And I, I took that and we learned all about other marketing techniques on the internet as well. And my co-founder, Frank, he's the other founder of Finder and, he was in the other business as well. We've been working together for 18 years now, Frank and I. So maybe just quickly explain that, but Finder's a marketplace sort of thing yeah. where you can compare credit card rates, mortgage rates. Yeah, broadband, electricity, VPNs. You can compare space flights, you know, how to go to space. There are eight different ways, um, by yep. the way, as you read about that on Finder. Um, shampoos, barbecues, you know, crypto exchanges, um, stock brokerages, it's like a thousand different things, you know, it's a supermarket of comparison, basically. Where's the commercial model? So where you, who pays you? Yeah. So it's a free service and then the partners pay us a small fee. Yep. Um, and then I think this new app is a different one where we're actually, you're interacting with Finder. So you're buying cryptocurrency from us. And is it listed? Are you listed or are you privately owned? Just a private company for now. And we've also um, never raised any money as well. It's completely bootstrapped. Well done. That's awesome. That's that's and that come off the back of uh, vomiting all over the internet and uh, <laughs> coming up with one out of nineteen or twenty nine or whatever it was. Just yeah. So wait, can I ask you a question? A lot, like a lot of people talk to me and they say, you know, like I got a job, steady job, you know, maybe it pays a mortgage or at least pays a rent or gives me a living, and there's opportunity there if I hang in there for the next fifteen years. And um, but they say I've got. This really fucking crazy idea like uh should i leave and go out and try and make it into something or should i just go and play with it like like you you say you did 20 you know put up 29 29 ideas and one worked it's the difference between someone like you who does that and someone like them who just keeps thinking about doing that i mean and what would you say to these individuals i think it's a mix of mild amounts of naivety from your yeah, point from of view. my point of yeah. view Yep. For me being naive about anything in the world and a beautiful innocence in that sense and a vulnerability to be prepared to be wrong, to make mistakes and be okay with that. No fear of failure. You don't have a fear of failure. Like I don't no. enjoy failing, but, no, no, but, you know, yeah, I guess that's, a, that's a, you know, 
but just to be emotionally prepared for that. And then on the other side, I back myself. You know, if we're playing a game, I know deep down that I am going to relentlessly pursue something. I am prepared to commit and sacrifice absolutely everything to win. That's just from a competitiveness inside myself potentially, but also these days I want to honor myself. I want to honor that energy and that commitment. And I enjoy that. I want to compete at the highest levels. I want to compete with the, the most difficult games that are that are possible. When the tough times came, you know, there was a time when Frank and I were sitting in the car park and we weren't doing terribly well and we were like in trouble and it was it was really hard. And we um we were in this we were, we were a quarter of a million dollars in debt to the tax man. We just had this court case. We, I just, we made a dumb mistake. We were young kids, you know, we did something dumb and we settled it, you know, nothing went ahead, you know, but we had to pay this money out at the lawyer bills. We're sitting in the car park. We're like, geez, is this, you know, is this for us? Are we, are we in trouble? Are we, should we just pack it up? And I remember we were sitting there, like we were literally crying. It was like, cause we just taken so many hits, just young boys, you know, like, not not prepared for any of that kind of emotional and all the responsibility of people and everything. It was just, and I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, maybe we, we should just give it in. And I remember in that moment, something in me just went, no, nah, no way. Everyone else has 24 hours in the day. They've got, there's no, no reason why we can't do this. I back us. We're actually really good hustlers. Like we used to sell the people in the lift to try and get a deal. We would do anything. We would pound the streets, we'd call the yellow pages. And if anyone wanted to get anything to do with the internet, we were in their office within half an hour. We didn't care. We drove up to like all over Sydney. I've been in more parts of Sydney and than, than most people should have been to try and sell websites. You know, considering this was the early days of the internet, people didn't want to buy that much, you know. These days it would have been, you know, it's a little different. But back then it was like, I don't, I don't want your website. What do I want a website for? Which is kind of weird, right? <laughs> I refuse to give up. We're going to find a way. We're going to be more creative. This is an opportunity for creativity and we need to find a new angle. We need to do something new and we're just going to do it. And there's been many situations ever since then where we hit those walls and those obstacles. We just choose creativity, choose to go forward in some way. Don't know how, right? Like, you know, we're dealing with problems every day. I'm dealing with problems today, you know, but I don't think it's about the problems you experience. It's just how you deal with them. It's an interesting proposition that you're putting forward um, that creativity overcomes all obstacles in some respects and maybe to some extent, I don't know, maybe you want to comment on this, but creativity is your purpose. I mean, you, maybe you see that your purpose is to create things for audiences, for whoever. It doesn't matter whether it's customers, any type of audience. That's your gig. I think that's a really good observation. And it took me a long time to recognize this. I'd probably say this is strange, but only probably last year during COVID did I realize that I was a creative person. <laughs> I was, it just came, just, you know, when you, you create stuff, no one turns to you and goes, hey, you're, you're a creative person. Because I always thought a creative person is a designer or an artist. You know, the finder jingle, I, I was the behind the scenes, the creative director around that. You know, I, 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 I didn't write the notes. I didn't play the music. I didn't sing the words, but I was the one who chose and said, you know, this is the briefing. That's the one. That's one there. That's what we need to put out there. And I worked with people like great talented creators. And I feel I can curate that. Um, professional um, medical practitioners, particularly specialist people who are zoned in on like a really small subset of the medical industry are, uh, not really careers. They're, they're about process and science. Um, is this an example of Fred moving the goalposts over here? Like um, you, you flipped, you're going to ride the other way. Yeah, I was like, the, it was, you know, it's really strange. I don't know. This is probably, here's another observation. It's so my parents, you know, they're one of my dad's like average height, height person. My mom's quite short. I'd say like of a relative size. And I'm just strangely quite tall like compared to both of them, you know, it's like I'm this opposite. Yeah, I think what I notice is that they're about risk reduction. Continuously, this is the route to preserve the person, reduce the possibility of anything happening. Whereas 
What I want is the most amount of things to happen. I want to lean in and I'm, I'm open for the, the risks and the errors and the mistakes that's going to lean in. I want that. Give that to me. I want to take that because I also want the upside as well. And I'm going to deal with the downside. I'm going to deal with those problems. These problems could happen. And I think this is so strange. The way I work with lawyers is so fascinating. I'm like, okay, you know, they tell you all the problems. This is what potentially could happen. This, 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 yeah. this, this. Yeah. And normally the easy answer is to go, oh, okay, well, we won't, shouldn't do that. I go, thank you for informing me. I'm prepared to take that risk. It's, 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 you can sign, I can sign off if you want on a disclaimer that you've told me that risk, but we're going to lean into that and we're going to take that risk. Uh, that's very interesting because right now it's, it's actually quite topical because um, you're right, uh, public health, which is what professional doctors, et cetera, do, they're, they're not leaning into any risk. They're actually de-risking the whole process all the time. And that's all probability-based. Everything's about prob- the probability and of events occurring and also multiplied by the gravity of the event occurring, which is what risk is. That's the calculation of risk. That's the algorithm. Probability versus gravity. Um, and, you know, we all listen to this every day, 11 a.m. here in Australia. Uh, you know, all these politicians get up there and talk about um, the public health thing, um, whereas a lot of people are thinking the way you think, and which is why, why our community is a little bit divided at the moment because there are people who think like you. So, okay, thanks very much for telling me that. But let's lean into the risk because I value freedom and with freedom is creativity, imagination, all those things. They all sit in the same hand. You know, they, they're all part and parcel of the same thing. Freedom, uh, you know, um, uh, creativity, uh, openness, um, open-mindedness. And there's a lot of people saying, yeah, that's cool. We got it. But just, just open up and let's take the fucking risk. And let's see, see what, ha- what happens. And then even by countries, and like, there are some countries around the world who have completely gone down the track of your line of thinking and there are others that go on the more structured way. In fact, Australia is one of the most structured places in the world, us and Singapore. And, and I believe you can actually change your style of thinking. I actually think you can change your thought patterns. Um, I mean, obviously, scientifically you can because you'd retrain the brain. Got it? That's, that's fair enough. But um, – I'm saying that if you if you're a person sitting now at a desk and you're working your ass off and but you really want to do what Fred Chavetz is doing or someone like me, what I'm doing, um, what I've always done in, throughout my life, um, if you want to, you got to st- change the way you think and actually execute the way you execute differently, um, and you've got to go about it a completely different way, and you've got to apply all those other things like you won't fucking beat me, I will never give up. I'll drive this to, to the death, you know, full-on commitment, you know, 18 hours a day, whatever it takes, um, you know, and crying in the car park and feeling lost and never giving up. Um, they're, they're, they're ways of uh, um, dealing with this stuff. But you've got to change the way you think if you want to do something that's – I hate the fucking word, but it's disruptive. But it is the word, okay? They all understand what the word is. You know, people we're talking about understand the word. You want to disrupt, you've got to change the way you think. Yeah, and I think that's – Partly the self-confidence to you know get things wrong. And then the second one is, you know, am I good enough to actually go do that? And then the third one, which is the most probably the twister, is am I worthy of the result that I'm probably gonna get, which could be a really good one. You know, and that's another one that's people, you know, fun hard as well. And I found all those three things, by the way, were self-judgments, and I've unpicked that over time. And I think only over the last six years, I, I've been working with an emotional coach on that, and I think that helped me change my brain as well. And oh, really? Yeah, emotional coach. I've, yeah, that's a new one to me. So you know, you go to the gym, right? You get physically strong, and you go and read a book. You get mentally strong and new ideas. What about how to deal with things and to handle, like you're talking about, certain circumstances, internal judgments, and they create behaviors, and they create emotion, they create feelings, and then the words you say in those moments tend to be owned by your beliefs of yourself and so if you can reprogram that and change that and that's what i've been working on over the last six years and it's enabled me to be even more like to really shine myself out and be very open and like like deeply authentic like when you get what you see with me like i'm just saying it and then that's just what's coming from my pure you know self you don't you get you get all of it and if i think that that's you know, I, I just always think about Mark. If I'm going to translate what and add to your your thing, when I when I hear that, I hear, I see a picture of an accountant who's sitting, you know, in one of these you know big corporates, and they're punching out you know their their things, and um, 
but they they truly actually don't want to be an accountant. They just want to be, they just love to scuba dive. And, you know, they go on scuba dive troops and they, that's a continuously try and get that out as much as they possibly can. But deep down, they just wanted to teach people scuba diving because they love to scuba dive. But their internal judgment is that's not you know possible. And it's that moment when I think there's a second self where people live. And if you can live that first self and just be authentic to it and just go, I love to do this. And I, and I don't know necessarily how that's going to make money or pay all the mortgage, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to work it out. And I'm not going to stop until I do because I truly love this. That energy is a fountain. That's a giving energy. That's a creating energy. It's a positive energy. I think that's, I sort of tapped into a, a lot of that where deep down, I just, I realized through this work that I just love to create things. So keep creating things, you know, and, and this is where I have to make a big step change and change the way, you know, the things that I aspire to. Instead of trying to aspire to be a CEO, a great CEO, you know, in that sense. And, you know, you found a company, you're not, you, you know, I'm not necessarily the operator of the company. That's kind of weird, right? You know, I'm still involved strategically in key decisions and, you know, from a board level, but you got to, you know, I realized who I am. I'm, I'm the guy that needs to go and make the next thing and help the company grow in that way. And I think that's a, you know, a lot of founders go through that, that journey, right? But it's the same thing. It's about what I think what you're talking about is someone who wants to make the change, make the jump. You know, who do you want to be and be, be authentic to that? This is a great conversation. And I mean, we, you and I, I'm sure we could go off on all sorts of tangents. I mean, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, right now, microdosing. Um, I'm thinking about all the shit that gets you to be creative and cool stuff, new stuff, uh, not thinking the way we've always thought because right now we are in a in this world we are at a change point and we're all thinking about the way we approach uh, what we look at our creativity it's all about creativity by the way and how we enhance our creativity and uh, that's why all these things have all of a sudden become they're not popular they become real as I said I mean microdosing you know it's it's real for curing people and let's stop worrying about the fuck that's magic mushrooms or whatever it's got in a like if it cures people who have PTSD or uh, whatever the case may be, let's look at it. Stop stop being so fucked up and, um, you know, like stilted the way, about, about the way you live and the way what you profess. And, and, and to some extent, this whole COVID environment right now, one world's fighting another world. There is a clash. You know, like there's resistance to these things. That's the old world resisting. Then there's the new world, people like you and, and people below you in, in a younger generation who are open-minded to new things. They don't want to hang out with the old shit, um, and, uh, but the old shit has power. But the new, the new stuff, the new people have numbers and they don't realise the power they have if they can somehow join the dots, which is sort of what Finer did. And by the way, I, I'm, I'm going to go to the break, but I'm just dying to sing. I mean, uh, if you're kids, I could hear your kids before, but uh, – Finder.com.au. <laughs> okay, let's go to the break. We'll come straight back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, I'm back with Fred. We just had the break. Um, I, I've been talk, we've been talking about all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And by the way, but more importantly, relevant. It's relevant. It's, and it's good style of thinking. I mean, I, I'm really enjoying the conversation. I, I got to ask you this. Mm. So you used to go to work with a suit. Mm. 
Um, you studied for a while actuarial studies. Mm-hmm. Then you went into the digital marketing business and, you know, you've su- successfully built Finder, launched, built Finder. And, and obviously it's a big business. There's lots of different places around the world, countries around the world. Huge numbers of people use it. Um, therefore, and, and, and very successful. Yet when I look at you, um, you present branding-wise, you present outside of the box. Is that a purposeful attempt or a purposeful process of presenting Fred Schwetzer as being different or, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, I don't mean, you know, just being affectatious, or is that just Fred being himself and, and or is this Fred just trying something new? Is this just Fred saying, fuck it, I'm going to have my hair the way I want to have it, et cetera, I'm going to grow a big, long beard. What, what is it? Tell, tell me about that. It's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's a process, Mark, of self-discovery. You know, I think it was 2008 where I just thought, I know what I'm doing. And if everyone else has other views of the world, thank you for your contribution. Thank you for your view of the world. I'm just going to back my view of the world and we'll see what happens. (laughs) And, you know, if I want to, I like, you know, a lot of people ask me, the hair is an interesting one because it took a long time to find. I was like, I, I, cut, I cut my hair and I'm like, oh, I just don't feel it. And then I do something else. And, mm. I had found this hairdresser and she just took more and more. I said, do be you, go and cut my hair. I'm not going to tell you. You cut my hair how you, what's the most creative expression you can have of my hair. And you go for that. Again, I just realized it's being a creator. It's, but, it, it, you know, and it's an empowering other, other just created, creators and she just went and made this hairstyle and I was just like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's good. Keep going. We did it again. She refined it again. She did it again. And, and then it just, it was a, it was a process of evolution. And, you know, I think, um, the way I dress one day, I decided I'm just going to stop wearing colors, you know, all color. I'm just going to wear all black all the time. Same, yeah. same, dude, same. <laughs> so good. Fucking same. Yeah. <laughs> go, go. Tell me why though. Oh, I was like, I, it just, I don't want the microseconds before trying to figure out what to wear. I'm just going to pick one. Fuck of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a killer, eh? Oh, so good. Oh, you, know, you look in the wardrobe. Oh, I want to get shoes, red, no, black. Yeah. Black, black, yeah. black. Any one of these works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we make any time for choosing the color? No. Um, but of recent as well, I've done some work on expanding that brand. And I can actually show you. This is kind of weird, but I'll just show you. I'm just going to yeah, give us a look. Give us a look. Um, this is my latest outfit. You can see I've tattooed on the back by Bitcoin. It's, I'm so committed to cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's definitely pretty up there. It's pretty loud. And actually, it's a three-piece. It's, it's got, I've got a T-shirt underneath and a pair of pants as well. So it's full. It goes next level. Um, it's a collab actually between Project X and Barber. Um, and just some really brilliant designers, and I just I love to support that creativity. But Bitcoin in particular, particular, I love Bitcoin. Yeah, and I, there are other coins I like, but I just I'm a big, big Bitcoin guy. But I I I wear at certain instances I wear extreme color. I think it's just new. It started to come out. I didn't. I don't know. I'm just flowing what I feel, and I'm like this moment in time. I feel like, like I need to, I feel this color and I'm just going to wear, I feel, I don't know, something's, I think I'm just evolving and I'm, I just listen to that. And like I, the underlying place I feel calm and comfortable with is just black, all black and just be comfortable. I look good. It's great um, in, in any circumstance. And then I just started splashing a tiny bit of gold. And then I started trying the complete opposite of like a, like black is extreme color. So it's that, probably the extremes way out there, extreme color or complete black. And then, so the punctuation happens when you, when you see me in extreme color, it's like, Whoa, look at that. But then all the time you just see me in black. And so it's like, Oh, you get these little moments. And so I think, I don't know. I don't know where this comes from, by the way, Mark, it's just, I'm not thinking enough strategically about it. I just feel it. I'm like, I feel this and I feel strongly towards it. And it, I love it. I feel it. And I'm like, and then when I'm in that moment, I can express it. You know, for my decisions and what I like to do and what I gravitate towards, I just gravitate towards things which interest me, you know, that, that, that I enjoy, that I find fascinating. You know, I love the cryptocurrency because it's convergence of tech, finance, marketing, 
um, even gaming or combined. It's like my that's you're gonna combine all my passions into a thing and we can make money from that. I'm up, like sign me up, let's go. You know, it's like cool, yeah, coin in, give me a go. I'm up for a seat, let's go, and I'll 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 participate in that. And so that's just a recognition of like I have this thing in my diary, it's a it's a note, and it says it's a recurring note. It says, um, you know, be the ultimate creative expression of yourself. And really what it leads to is one day, you know, I'll die. And in the moments up until that point, I'm like, well, what am I going to do in order to, you know, from here to there? And I think the way I sort of always think of it is I'm just going to do stuff that I love and I'm going to commit myself hard to those things, you know, like, like with relentlessness and create the ultimate creative expression of that and find people that can support me in that and they're interested in that. And if you're not, if then they're not, they're not, this is, someone's not interested and they're like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. That's cool. Go and do your thing. And there's other people, they're like, I actually want to do that as well. And they're like, people, you know, they're, they're, if, I think if you put that energy out, this is who I am and this is I'm always going to be like this. And it's just my vulnerable, innocent self and I'm always putting it out there and always shining it out no matter what. I think other people feel comfortable being around me, being different as well, really unusual and expressing themselves. I think it creates that culture and that energy of creativity. Accidentally, I didn't realize, realize that. I was just honoring myself really, Mark. I think it's what it comes back to. Well, on that, I mean, maybe 20 years ago that wouldn't have flown very well, but it flies today because the world's much more open to these things. There's a lot more people who will, who will latch on to the idea and run with it. You know? But and this, this is going to bring us right into cryptocurrency, which is one of your things at the moment. But I, I just quickly want to cover off finance because I really want to talk about crypto. You know, by chance, I love finance. You know, I think it's something which naturally I enjoy. I love investing. I'm a very keen investor. Now, obviously, we can talk about crypto in that sense and how I see the world. But, you know, in stocks... Um, I like to manage my personal financial situation. And so that just naturally was an interesting topic to me to, you know, get into crypto, uh, get into credit cards in the beginning. And I think educating and helping people was a natural thing to do as well. I'd, I'd like to teach, like to find out something and then go, hey, this is how this thing works and present it in a simple way. And that was a natural experience. And then communicating and um, turning that into um, a, 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 a creation, something which people can you know, interact with the news. That's a natural thing again for me. And so building a website to me is cool. I'm like, cool, awesome. Everyone can see it. It's always on. And it, it's kind of scratched that itch, right? It's, you know, I remember waking up and it's like, wow, we made, we made more money. It's like, this is awesome. And you just spin this flywheel faster and faster and faster and it just gets bigger and bigger. And it's like, that's a beautiful company that set Frank and I up to go and go, okay, now that we've done this, what can we do with that? And that's what I've always we sort of go back to in these strategic reviews. We go, okay, here's where we are here. What can we do with this? What, what, what does this mean? And where can the world go? And what's the world going to need? And what do people, what do people, what do our customers need more of? Um, and so that's where you know, we built the Finder app that was in 2019, which is a reinvention of the entire company. Because in that one, you connect up your bank account and we start to tell you, hey, look, this is where you can save money. And, you know, we started, we built a digital wallet into that. So now you can buy cryptocurrency through Finder. Um, it's just like a, literally a swipe up. It's super simple. You can buy crypto, you buy Bitcoin in three minutes on Finder with the Finder app. Well, that's interesting because, because everybody wonders how the hell they buy Bitcoin. Yeah, super simple. Um, and, and, and I think that's because, you know, we obviously compare exchanges and all the coins you write about that on Finder. But that's a, what I realized was, you know, from a customer base perspective, it's like that's a very advanced Crypto person, right? A crypto native. But there's a massive market that people are interested. Like you said, how do you buy this thing? How do you get involved? And we were like, okay, for, for those customers, there's a different a new audience. We opened up this new channel. And what this has done is to start making us, you know, find it becoming, like, I guess, a fintech in, in that sense. We're actually providing the brokerage service. In 2018, I started a, a business called HiveX, which was a, like a stockbroker for crypto. So you just call this up. I want to buy 50 grand of Bitcoin. We're like, this is the price, done, send it to you. You, you know, finished. Like, like a stockbroker. And that taught us all about the space. And so we then took that knowledge. We sold that company to a, an exchange overseas. And then we took that knowledge. We put it into Finder itself. 
So again, it's just, you know, create something, experiment with something, figure it out, then bring it back into this mother ship, which is like this big, you know, turning engine. And so I always trying to figure out, like I sort of, my process is go and find something new, experiment, work it out. Okay, how can we then make money? Okay, how do we put that into the mothership so the mothership gets bigger and stronger and keeps going? And in crypto, it's a big revenue for us. It's a it's a in finder. Finder gets paid in crypto. I know that sounds unusual, but we're, hand, we're comfortable with that. We handle that. We're you pay us. It doesn't matter what currency you pay us in. We're fine. But if I go on a finder.com to you, um, I can. Whatever I'm subscribing to, I can pay you in crypto, is what you're saying, and or Aussie dollars or whatever. Yep, you can do that, and you can also and like our, our customers, our, sorry, our partners that you know pay us referral commission, they pay us in crypto. We're like, that's fine for us. When you say I can buy crypto, do you mean I can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum? Can I buy everything? You can buy Bitcoin and Ethereum today. That's there's just two coins, and we only just launched yep. actual buying on Finder in May, so it's only a new service, and we just sort of offer to our our customers, but. Um, we've got a new product as well uh, coming, a very exciting product. Um, we'll actually pay you 4% on your money. So you put Australian dollars into the Finder app and we'll pay you, and it compounds daily. So we'll pay you um, each day. Compounding is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I'm in. Yeah. It's, well, I'm already in, but you know, like, <laughs> we wanted to share that. How does, how does that work? So the way we do that is through cryptocurrency. So we're using the new financial system. Um, and there are ways to earn yield in, in crypto um, in reliable way. Probably look it out for it. It's, it's, there's a wait list in the Finder app right now. There's about 5,500 people that have signed up to get in first. And um, we'll be probably releasing this towards the end of October, um, which is super exciting. Um, but it's, it's an example, again, Mark, going back is, you know, how do you serve your customer better? And I thought, you know, yields in my bank account were getting... They're just terrible. I was like, what's happening here? And inflation right now, I'm worried about for Australians and their wealth because we're printing a lot of money. I think they, think they were printing $4 billion a day. Is that? I think it's, it's approximately that for a week. It's, it's like a lot of money in Australia is being printed by the government, in other words. Which, and by the way, Fred's point is that, generally speaking, in an economic sense, that creates inflation over time because there's too much liquidity into the system. Yep. And more, more money means prices go up which means your money in your bank account is worth less, which essentially erodes your wealth. And I do think Bitcoin is one way to sort of offset that, but that's, we can you know, talk about that. But I just think, you know, you need a way to protect your wealth with your, just your Australian dollars. And I thought the way to do that is to try and figure out a new product. And this is a product which I think will help Australians. And I think it will, you know, help them to offset some of that. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people... If you're not a sophisticated investor, it's actually really hard to earn a good yield. It's it's really hard, you know. Just just not that many options without taking a large amount of risk, obviously. But I have no problems with taking risk as well. But I think that's you know going up the risk curve. That's what a lot of people I think see cryptocurrency as, right? So you know, there's this fascinating thing which I find amazing is I don't, I, there are billions of people in America that play the lottery. Like billions of dollars, sorry, money goes into the lottery each month. Like like billions of dollars. Like you're never going to win. And yet people still keep punting. And I thought about that. I was like, like why is that? And I think it's because you get to have a chance to potentially live the life that you otherwise would not be able to. And so I think cryptocurrency provides that as well. It's like, well, you know, it could either go to zero or it could go to a million dollars, you know, and you could make, you know, you get involved with investments in, in crypto and they make AX in a couple of months. And you, that's, it's not, there's no, not many other markets that, you know, I've seen, I've been in other investments where it just goes to zero, like straight to zero. It happens, whatever, like you lose money. But also if you, in this market, like the skew, you know, Bitcoin could, you know, if it's trading at, what, it's trading at 46,000 US dollars, it could go to zero. It could also go to 200 grand. There's nothing to, you know, like, so the skew potential of it going up, say it halves in value. Yeah, you'll halve your money. But what if you just three, four X your money? The way I think of it is the democratization of risk. So a lot of those things, those opportunities of risk were only available to sophisticated investors. Whereas what crypto, I think, provides is the, 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 the democratization to the retail investor. They can sign up. They can easily get access to these, these assets. And, you know, if you look at Bitcoin objectively, if you bought every single all-time high, apart from the most, the most recent one, which, you know, every other one, 
if you bought at the all-time high, you still would have made money. It's, it's a deflationary asset. There's only 21 million of them. It's designed to basically, it was designed during the global financial crisis to give people back their value and their money over time. And that's, that's the whole purpose of the entire thing. That's, that's why it was created. Um, and this is a moment where governments can't inflate that. No one else can inflate Bitcoin's value. It's programmed in the code as an anonymous creator. And now the, the, the sheer brilliance in that is I think it's going to take some time before everyone realizes it's insane that that thing started at you know 0.0001 of a cent value. But people didn't care. They just send it out Bitcoin to people for fun. It was a fun joke. It did have a very serious purpose in the very beginning. You know, it's no doubt about it, but that's how people didn't really care. And now, you know, there are Chicago Mutual Exchange futures traded. There's billions of dollars, institutional money in this, hedge funds, Square, Tesla, you know, all these companies. I think Amazon's hiring for a cryptocurrency, you know, lead. It is, it's, this has gone past like a little uh, sandbox and it's not fashion. It's not fashion. Don't be on fashion. Yeah. You made us a really interesting point there. When people ask people like me my opinion on cryptocurrency, to date, I am curious about it, haven't participated in it. When they ask me in a, in a pure economic rational sense, I will say there's no fundamentals associated with it. Um, it doesn't pay a dividend. Um, it's not even as good as gold because, you know, it's – it's not an exchange that other things are rated against. It's not something that gets reported, although it's starting to get much more reported these days. I see it on Channel 7 News every night. But actually, I'm the wrong fucking person to ask because I'm a sophisticated investor. I know how to sort of leverage my my, my investments in order to keep pace and or outpace real inflation. We are still in the dark ages in this country, in every country, by the way, third world, in all uh, developed countries, at looking how inflation affects our value of our assets. We should have a very shortened version of inflation. How what's house prices done? What's car prices done? What's um, communications done? You know, data and blah blah blah. What's the cost of a mobile phone done? All the things that we spend money on, all the other shit. Who cares whether it's gone down? I mean, you will probably come up with a new measure of inflation. Fred Spetzer will probably after this conversation is going to tell start telling everybody tell everybody how to measure inflation for yourself. Category A, B, C, D, right down to G. I'd love to see Fred do that because that's relevant. You know what yeah. I mean? So, and that tells me what my return should be relative to the inflation that affects me. So, I'm a sophisticated investor. I know how that all works. So, to ask me what I think of Bitcoin, I'm the wrong fucking person. Except when you put it to me the way you put it to me, that um, it's democratization of risk, it's um, democratization of risk and reward. Mm. For people who otherwise aren't sophisticated or don't have enough money to be sophisticated or don't have access to this yeah. shit, then that tells me that it's something I should be investing in because those people will carry the momentum. They will actually give me the return that I need to get because that's why they're attracted to it because I haven't been able to work out, and you just answered me a question, I have not been able to work out why the fuck people invest in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency other than the crooks and what have you, but – and, and other than people who just do it from a point of view of being rebellious, mm-hmm. I don't want to be part of the system. Mm-hmm. I get that too. But other individuals who are really, really keen on it, and you're right, it's, it is nearly socialising in a socialist sense, like making available risk and reward. That is a very good explanation of why crypto, and I'm not saying all cryptocurrencies, but some of the cryptocurrencies will survive and will do very well. Yeah, that's a really good wrap up. I think it's really good, and I, I have a, there's other few other components, you know. So, two the two new areas, maybe if I can share mark of where I'm interested in in crypto. That's my that that sort of please if I can share those as well. Um, so, I'm very interested in decentralized finance. So, decentralized finance is what's enabling us to provide the yield to our customers in the future. So in, in the markets that exist today, there are very sophisticated traders that um, make you know, investment banks that just sit there all day with computer screens and they're just farming yield on the difference between, say, a future price and the spot price. So what does that mean? It means in the future, this iron will be worth this and, I, and, and a trader takes a long or a short position and they rent 
that and they basically collect the yield of this. And they're talking significant interest, significant amounts of um, fixed income, which they can derive from that. They get other big investors to come in and put money up to go and collect that yield. And those sophisticated investors make a lot of money. And that's how investment banks you know, make. They do it in all sorts of different ways throughout the financial system. Decentralized finance allows the retail investor to take that trade, to provide liquidity to the market and be paid um, the return for being a market maker. So as an example, let's say you wanted to trade Bitcoin to US dollars. Well, you could be the market maker and provide both those um, tokens. So US dollar and the, the US dollar as a token, but you know, it's a representation of value and, and Bitcoin. And let's say you, you want to buy one, a Bitcoin with the US dollars. For providing that, I'm going to charge you a fee. And you, the, the system, the smart contracts that are in the, in the blockchain, execute that and you get a small fee. Everyone, they get the Bitcoin and you get the US dollars. And everyone's happy. That's a very new idea. It's, in crypto, it's you know, sort of two years old. But you know, for, for crypto, that's, that's 10 years old. But in, in traditional finance, that's a new idea, right? So the, the market is controlled and provided by someone else and not, you know, that the, the, you get to be the market maker. Like the market makers make huge money in high frequency trading and all sorts of things and investment bankers and all these guys. And in this case, the smart contract allows retail investors to come in be both sides of that trade and earn a yield. And that yield is, you know, can be 20, 30, 40, 50, 100% interest. And that's just because you're charging 0.03 per trade, you know, of a percent. And that all adds up every day. That's a huge earning when you compound your, your money. Um, and this, this is an automated system, which is run by, by um, market makers and smart contracts. And essentially, that's creating this new system in, 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 in crypto where you can earn a yield essentially on your cryptocurrency holdings. And um, I think this is the beginning where you can come in, Mark, right? And just say you want to buy a house. I can just get my Bitcoin, put it, put it up as collateral. And right now, with, with, with actually, I don't just sign a single document. All I do is stake the, deposit the coins in the wallet. I can withdraw US dollars right now in a contract that's already operational. And no one is going to tell me otherwise. There's no, no credit score checks, no nothing. I just collateralize, say, 150%. And essentially, I get the money right away. That's already happening. Borrowing and lending in the crypto space, which is you know, like incredible in and of itself. It, all it is, it all comes back to it's, it's decentralizing all these systems that we have in you know, the traditional finance space. And allowing people to, like you said, it's democratizing those systems and putting them into just into code. And I think that's incredible. That is the huge growth category and what's driving crypto prices to be so stable right now as well. So let's say, you know, I'm 30 years of age, $35,000, somehow I got it. Traditionally, you know, that person will say, they'll, they'll say, put your money in the bank and you'll get half a percent or not even that, less. Um, and by the way, you're going to pay tax on that. And then after inflation, you actually lost money. What would you say to that person? Well, you know, hopefully they can use the Finder app service to begin as a low risk way. Yeah. But go get the Finder. Okay. But download the Finder yeah, app. Yeah. And they can learn about this in the beginner's way. You know, beginner, intermediate. So, is there an education program in there? You got something? Yeah, in there? very simple. It's just a, it's just a simple system to use. It's not. It's if you can use an iPhone, it's that simple. It's removed all the wallets and the blockchain and the security and the hashing and all of that. It's removed all of that. It's just a very nice and simple way to get involved with this. And then you should then go and start to learn and educate yourself about cryptocurrency. And there's obviously lots of content on Finder. And 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 then you go and create your own wealth through that and learn about the different avenues to make money. And then and this is interesting. I just want to define something if I can, Mark. There's a difference between currency and money. Like money is hard assets over time. Whereas currency, you look at every single currency in humanity, it all goes to zero. Every single one. When the Romans started out, one gold coin had gold, all gold in it. At the end of the Roman Empire, it had 2% gold. It's all been replaced with lead. And because the, the Roman 
government took the money. It's called seniorage. It's been happening. Seniorage has been happening since the dawn of time with every currency. It's how you take money from people without, you know, it's what, what the money printing is doing. It's, it's governments have done this all throughout time. It's how we, you know, obviously we live a great nation and a civilization. That system is the system that we are used to and we live in. But there is also another system now. And that's the cryptocurrency, you know, system, which is starting to be, yeah. And a lot of people say, oh, you can't buy anything. That's not true. You can buy stuff with cryptocurrency. It is accepted. You can, you know, El Salvador just it made Bitcoin a legal tender two days ago. That was, you can, you, every shop is request required now to accept Bitcoin. Like that's, that's, that's law. It's not, it's not, it's not, you know, a theory anymore. As legal tender. Legal tender. was just. You're saying in El Salvador, it's now legal tender. Yes. You can either give your coins, which is legal tender, or a check or whatever, or a credit yeah. card, but also crypto. Correct. Um, and you can also get, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, there's all sorts of other things you can do with cryptocurrency apart from that. And, and I think this probably might lead, I don't know if that marked that, but that's, that's what I do. I, I would buy yourself a little bit of Bitcoin, buy yourself a bit of Ethereum. They're kind of like the blue chips, like Google and Amazon. You know, they're not going to go and do crazy numbers. But And then get yourself involved with, you know, learn about this yield and learn about inflation and learn about how to protect your wealth and build your wealth. And and I think cryptocurrency is the the people's money. It's the people's money. It was invented by people. It's not controlled by a government. And I think it will become the new financial system. You're taking a... If you take it, I always think of things in a, in a hundred year sort of scale. It's this is not going away. This is going to keep growing. And I think, and I just want to, I think it's something we, a young person should look at no matter what. I just want to give one more data point, um, maybe two. I think this, this, this might be instructive. So in May, you know, they called it, um, it was a black May or something. It was, it was a, you know, Bitcoin hit $64,000 US. It was the highest it's ever hit, all, new all-time high. And then in the next preceding weeks, it crashed back down, say, to 28000 Now, in any other financial market, if it liquidated more than 50%, the whole thing would have shut down. And we saw that in 2008. And who paid the bill? The people paid the bill. Because the government put their hand in the pocket, printed money, and gave it to, to reboot this system, to make it come back alive. And here's the thing that no one's reporting. When Bitcoin did that, went from $2 trillion market back down to, say, a $1 trillion market over two weeks, did any government or person put their hand in their pocket to have to reboot the financial system? No. And it carried as opposed to what we do for our own currencies, for our own currencies and our people that we then is this system that we support that, that is a fiat controlled, in other words, a decreed controlled system. Did anyone have to go and pay all the cryptocurrency people? Was there a payout? Was there an extra tax put on our bill that we had to pay the you know the the, the excess that everyone lost? No, because it's a new financial system, it's a better financial system. It, it, it re-corrects itself. It's based on hard assets. It's not based on imaginary money, imaginary currency. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's based on true, real value. And, and you know, we can get into the debate about Bitcoin and where its value is and, and those kind of things. But we can even, it doesn't, you don't even need to. You just look at it. Just, it's being objective about it. That already just happened. That just happened, what, three months ago. And I think the second thing I want to, call out is when Bitcoin first went to $20,000, this was in, you know, back in 2017, that was its all-time high. And it, and it was a big bubble, right? Any, any big asset that moves like that, you know, you look at it in financial, it, it, it pulls back and it pulled back. But it didn't pull back to like, you know, 10 cents. When it was 10 cents, people were like, wow, it's a lot of money. When it was $10, everyone's like, oh my God, it's just crazy. When it was $100, everyone's like, that's, that's lunacy. When it was a $1,000 Bitcoin, like just to think, that's like, that's a bubble. But it didn't pull back to $1,000. No one, everyone, what actually happened was is that 86% of the long-term holders of Bitcoin didn't sell. There are true believers in this. And that's who you're backing. You're backing those, you, you talked about it before, the zealots, the believers, the true, 
You're you're investing in human emotion and belief. You're not you're not investing in you know like, like what is the currency worth? Well, here is a whole group of individuals that won't sell, no matter if a price it goes you know down seventy percent. They're like, I don't care. I believe in this, and they just keep they just keep acquiring over time until you can see now. You know, forty six thousand dollars. I can buy. My Bitcoin that I, you know, if anyone bought it, went up down to three thousand eight hundred and sold today. You could get hard currency straight in your bank account, you know. But you, 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 you that's what you're betting on. That's that's what it's part of the thesis of this. Not to say that you know you've got legal tender now. You've got people in Argentina getting fifty percent inflation. You've got people trying to get their money out of Venezuela and they can't because the government controls the currency. And people like to, they they come and confiscate Bitcoin mining machinery. Because people are making money because Venezuelan um, electricity prices are zero, and so they're trying to make hard, you know currency that doesn't inflate away. There are there are regimes and circumstances in this world today where, unlike in Australia, you can't, it, you don't have as much control of your financial self. And, and and you know in Australia as well, you'll I think you know it's a very interesting country and where it goes from here. And if there is a big debate in the Senate right now, and I was part, I, I gave testimony in that about the laws and regulations around cryptocurrency. It's very interesting, like you said, Mark, where will we go from here? This is going to be very, this is, I think what you said before, and I just want to re-highlight, I think you nailed it. It's like, we're in this time of change where there are two camps and it's in many different facets of the world and particularly in financial system. You know, let's, let's zoom out, right? The internet, when it came along, what did it do? Disrupted media companies and shopping companies. You know, media companies lost all their um, classified business. That was their main revenue driver. Shopping companies had catalogs and instead people didn't walk in stores, they went, went on the internet now. But the, the thing was, if you were back in the day and went, hey, the internet wasn't programmed with a technology where the money was in the internet. There was no currency. There was no idea of buying stuff. They were like, oh, we're just going to make this thing and send messages to people and maybe we're going to look up pictures of, you know, pets and stuff and cool. That's all they thought of. They didn't program in money. And I believe that cryptocurrency is the, is the, is the money on the internet. It's like the, the currency of the, the virtual world, of the meta, what I call the metaverse, which I also have a thesis on and where we're going. I think what's a COVID, sorry, I'm just jumping another idea, Mark, but I think COVID's really, really fast forward this, right? We've been at home and we're talking on you know, totally. technology right now and that's normal. That's weird. We've become normalized to a virtual interaction. So what's the difference between living in a virtual world? Very little, I believe. And we're, I think we're fast forwarding towards that, to full matrix. People live and they work and they enjoy themselves in a virtual world. There are places now in Australia you can go and get a 3D scan of yourself and put yourself in a game. Like, you know, we're, I think we're just, we're, we are going fast forward. And, and so... So I know I joined a lot of ideas there, Mark, and I'm going to stop, but it's a bit of a, that's where my mind's going. This is, this is my thesis of the world and why cryptocurrency is just the internet, just internet money. That's all it is. I'm going to have to wrap, but I, I just think that uh, this has been an extremely interesting conversation, but I think that your analysis, presentation, and then and I think also probably more importantly, your prognosis of where crypto is going and the fact that you, you know, find a documentary, you actually offers people the opportunity to play in this democratization of this so-called currency. Um, but I think your prognosis is, dare I say it, sensible in a conforming way for something that's totally non-conforming, <laughs> but very sensible conforming prognosis of where this is going. I think you make sense and you're probably the most sense I've heard of anyone talk about these things in a long, long time. Generally speaking, it's people just speaking emotionally and uh, frantically and uh, momentum style. Um, but I get what you're how you're trying to explain it. I think it's a very good description and I would say anybody who's, who does listen to this should actually sort of uh, think about what they're going to do. I'm definitely going to go on to find.com and .com.au and I'm actually going to register. I'm going to actually buy some crypto. I am going to buy some. I'll, I'll probably buy Bitcoin just for fun yeah. of it. Also, although one of my sons who's a – a programmer tells me Ethereum is better. I mean, but it, more in terms of um, the, the the system that they have. It's not a better currency, probably not better known, but it, he says it's much better put together. So I might have a little crack at both of them, and uh, and and I'm going to read what you've got because I think the education program you're doing is very smart. 
we are desperate today. I'm an old dude, but people today are desperate. I'm I'm still like to think of myself as like this, uh, desperate to find out about all these new ideas. Mm. We all want to know. Mm. And, I, and I just think there's a, um, a massive thirst for this information and knowledge. Mm. This is a knowledge time, a change and a time of gaining and garnering more knowledge from as many people like yourself as possible. And, uh, and I, I just think find a, having gone from being a comparison website to now being an app where you can go and participate in these great new worlds is fantastic. So congratulations, Fred. I really enjoyed the discussion. Uh, a, little, a little bit uh, cerebral for, for us <laughs> and others at some times, but it doesn't matter. People need to talk to, I don't know, I hate the word fucking futurist, but people who try to look for what's coming what's coming our way and how do we take advantage of it and how do we learn about it? That's what you've done for us today. Thanks very much, Fred. That was awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. And thank you for making the space and thank you for your team as well for putting this amazing podcast together. It's a great team. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley and production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.